Well, good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to Ignite Depot. My name is Mill Jones. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and let us be exceedingly glad. Again, my name is Mill Jones. I am the lead pastor here at Ignite Depot, a.k.a. ID3 in the name of Jesus. Man, what a glorious time we're going to have in the word today. I guarantee you, if you turned your ears on, if you have made a decision to open your ears to hear and open your eyes that you may be able to see, but most importantly, open your heart. Make a decision from the very beginning. I'm going to open my heart and be receptive to the word that's going to come forth today. I guarantee you, as a result of that, that the word of God will change your life forever. The word that God gave me today, I guarantee you, if you give ears to hear, you're going to hear a word today that will change your life forever in Jesus name. Well, we're going to go ahead and make our declaration in accordance with Isaiah 61 and verse one. It says this. Reading out of the New King James Version, it says this, that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, to open to the prison, to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. He says this, he says, to, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. He says this in verse four, it says, and they shall build the old waste, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. Father God in heaven, we give you all the glory, the honor and praise that is due your name. Father, this is the day which you have made. We will rejoice. We will rejoice. We will rejoice and we will be exceedingly glad. Father, I declare in the name of Jesus that your word will go forth today with clarity, with boldness and accuracy as we ought to preach. Father God, I declare that our preaching and teaching will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it will be in demonstration of spirit and power. Father God, that their faith lie not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the Most High God. Father, I covenant with you for miracles, signs, wonders, manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit as you see fit. Father God, I decrease that you may increase all of you and none of me. Let my tongue be the pen of a ready writer, writing the very oracles of your word upon the tablets of their heart. Father, I give you all the glory, honor, and praise in advance for all that you will say and do in this service. And may you be glorified, honored, and praised. In Jesus' name, let us all say amen or so be it. Man, a few years ago, God gave me this word one day in prayer. He says this. He says, Milton, he says, it's through the simplicity of my word that burdens are removed and yokes are destroyed. He said, it's not in complexity, he says, but it's in simplicity. In fact, we preached a, a message last year and the title of that message was, it's so simple, a child can do it. It's so simple, a child can do it. So man, we're gonna pick right up in the word tonight. In the name of Jesus, if I was to give this message a title, the title of this message would be called The Greatest Trick You Never Saw, Part 4, and the title is I'm Coming Out. I'm 
coming out. Say that with me. I'm coming out. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm coming out. Point to yourself and say, I'm coming out. I'll be honest with you. When the Lord first gave me that title, I said, Lord, you know that title can go a whole lot of different ways. He says, son, just trust me. I already know what, what I'm going to do with that word. I already know when you preach this word with boldness and with clarity and with accuracy, he says that people's lives will be changed forever. He says burdens will be removed. Yokes will be destroyed. And he says, even to the point where you pray that song, I want you to sing freedom because that's what's going to happen at the as a result of the word that's going to go forth tonight. Freedom is going to take place in your life. I release that word over you now in the name of Jesus. Now, everybody knows we've been preaching on this word since the beginning of the year. The 2023 is a year of the blessing of the Lord. And according to Proverbs 10:22, which says, The blessing of the Lord, it makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. We found out that word blessing means prosperity, that a prosperity of the Lord makes one rich, means it, it causes one to accumulate, it causes one to grow, and he adds no toiling or no laboring with it. It's not going to be as a result of your labor, it's not going to be a result of your toiling, but it's going to be as a result of the prosperity or the soup God super on your natural, which makes it supernatural. And see, one of the reasons that people get so messed up about when you say the word prosperity is because the first thing they think about is money. Now, money is one of the areas of prosperity, but in, in the kingdom of God, money is the lowest form of prosperity because you can be have a whole lot of money and not have health. You can have a whole lot of money and not have a home. You can have a whole lot of money and not have a family. You can have a whole lot of money to buy you medicine, but it cannot buy you healing. Money is a tool to be used. And yes, it's included in this year of the blessing of the Lord to make one rich. But we found out a few weeks ago that the purpose of the money is so that you can be blessed to be a blessing into all families of the earth are blessed. God doesn't have a problem with you having money. He has a problem with the money having you. In other words, you have a wrong relationship with the money. God said this probably a week, the second week of the year. He said the title of that message was he's bringing you out. And he's and he was talking about there, talking about how he's going to bring you out of the world system into out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son or into the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things. And what he told me to remind you here today, he says this, he says, I want you to remember that God has brought you out. If you're a child of God, if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God isn't going to bring you out. God has already brought you out. In fact, he says this in, 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 um, in Timothy, uh, as you are, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this, and I'm reading out a new King James verse, which says this. He says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness 
into his marvelous light. See, God didn't just call you out of darkness just for you to just be hanging around doing nothing. He says, I brought you out of darkness into the into my marvelous light that you will go forth. He says, and you will go forth and you will proclaim the praises of him who called you out, that you will go forth and let your light so shine that all the nations of the world will see your good works and glorify God. And accordance to Matthew chapter 15 and verse five, God called you out for a purpose, for a reason. And he says, I want you to share this word with my children. He says, because so many of my children, even though they have been brought out of darkness into the marvelous light, for they have been giving themselves over into condemnation. And he says, I'm going to, I want you to share this word with them tonight in the name of Jesus. This is what he said. He says, there's no condemnation in Christ. Did you hear me? There is no condemnation in Christ. In fact, it says in Romans chapter eight, verse number one, I'm reading out the Passion Translation, which says this. So now the case is closed. He says there remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one and his anointing. Now, what did he say? He says, there's no accusing voice of condemnation. God does not condemn. I'm going to say that one more time. God does not condemn. If you're feeling condemnation, it's not coming from God, but you're going to find out tonight where it's coming from. Condemnation is not, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For anyone who has received Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, there is no condemnation. The case has been closed. There's no voice of accusation of condemnation against those because you are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. Now, what is condemnation? You may ask. Condemnation is an adverse sentence or adverse judgment or sentence. So there is no adverse judgment against those who are in Christ Jesus. It also goes on to say to condemn. What does condemn mean? To condemn means to determine or to judge to be wrong or guilty or disallowed or disapproved. So if you pull up that word in the definition in to Romans chapter eight, verse one, it says there remains no accusing voice of disapproval, that's disallowing, of guilt, of wrong, or a judgment up to be wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you are in Christ, God is not sitting on the throne judging you, saying you are, he's condemning you, you're no good, you're not worthy, there's nothing good about you, because the way that you got cleansed in the first place, the way that you got life in the first place is was through his son, Jesus Christ. But so many people will tell you, but God sent Jesus into the world to condemn the world. And then I will say, you need to go back and read your Bible because it clearly says in John chapter three, verse 17, it says that for God did not send his son into the world. Who's his son? Jesus into the world to do what? To condemn the world. What does that word condemn mean? To determine or judge to be wrong 
or to are guilty or to disallow or disapprove. So God didn't send Jesus into the world to 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 uh, disapprove or disallow the world, but that the world through Jesus might be saved. So God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but he did send Jesus into the world that the world might be saved. Now, what's that word saved mean? In accordance to the Greek, uh, that word saved is sozo, S-O-Z-O, which means to deliver, to protect, to heal, to preserve, to do well, to make whole. So if you go back and read that scripture again, it says, for God did not send his son Jesus into the world to, to disapprove them, to disallow them, to judge, to be wrong or guilty, but that the world through Jesus might be healed, delivered, protected, made whole, or to do well. So God did not send Jesus into, into the world to, to, to condemn you. God does not use condemnation to win you. God does not use guilt and shame and put you on the shame show and say, you're no good. And I know you're no good. You're just a low down, dirty dog. God doesn't do all those things. He doesn't say that you're no worthy. I knew you was going to mess up. So that's why I'm going to hit you with a lightning bolt. And God does not do any of those things, but there is somebody who does. There is somebody who does that. In fact, that's one of the wiles of the devil. Now, you got to understand that the adversary has wiles. Now, if you read in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, it talks about this. It says, put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand or resist the wiles of the devil. Now, what are wiles? Wiles simply are the tricks and schemes and methods and tactics and strategies of the adversary. Let me read it to tell you that again. Wiles are the trickeries and the schemes and the methods and the tactics and the strategies that the adversary, aka Satan, uses against you to make you feel condemned, to make you feel guilty, to make you feel disapproved by God, to make you feel like God don't love you, to make you feel like God don't care about you, to make you feel that your life is not worth anything. But that's not how God sees you or looks at you. Why? Because it says in Romans chapter eight, verse one, that there is no accusing voice of condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no accusing voice. But you know what that word uh, devil actually means? He is a false accuser. He is a slanderer. What? He's a slanderer. What does slander mean? To say something about somebody that isn't true. What is a false accuser? False, not accurate, not proven. It is a lie. 
of accuser. He's falsely accusing you to you. And he's and he's trying to convince you that there's no you might as well give up, cave in and quit because, you know, messed up too many times. And you might as well go on back to the world you was living in before because God does not love you. You know, the funny part about that is, is, oh, slick. I call him Slick Willie. Slick Willie did those same things all the way back in in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. What did he do? He accused uh, God before Adam and Eve when he told him, he said, man, I know you said that God said you was going to surely die if you put that fruit of the tree. But man, that ain't true. God already know that when you eat of that fruit, you're going to be just like him, knowing the difference between good and evil. And he don't want you to know all those things. What did he do? He presented something to Adam and Eve that wasn't true. God had already made him just like him. The only difference is that they did not know evil. All they knew at that time was the kingdom of God or God's way of doing things. Do you know what the word of God says about the adversary? It not only says that he's a false accuser, it not only says that he's a slanderer, but it also says in John chapter 8 verse 44 that Satan is a murderer. What? Satan is a murderer. In fact, it says this in, in John chapter 8, verse number 44. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, which says this. It says, you are of the offspring of your father. He was talking about those religious people who, was, who wanted to kill Jesus because he said he was the son of God. He says, you are of your, of your uh, offspring of your father, the devil. Who's the devil? The false accuser, the, the, the slanderer. And you serve your father very well. He says, passionately carrying out his desires. He has been a murderer right from the start. So they're telling you that the adversary, Satan, has been a murderer from the, from the start. And he goes on. He's not only a, a murderer, but he's also a liar. A liar. Yep, he's a liar. He goes on to say this, that he... He is a liar. In fact, it says he never stood with the truth, for he is full of nothing but lies. Hold up. So when the devil start talking to you, you already know. As soon as he start talking to you, you already know he lying. You, when he starts saying to you, God is never going to use you again, you already know he's lying. When he says that that you know you're busted, disgusted, and you can't be trusted, you already know he's lying. When he says to you, he says that nobody loves you, the dog don't love you, the cat's trying to run away, the fish is trying to jump out the boat, the bird is trying to break out his cage and fly away. Nobody loves you. He's trying to get you to sing that old song. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrows. He wants you to have a pity party, but you got to understand he is a liar. In fact, it goes on and says lying is his native tongue, just like English is the native tongue in, in, in the States and how uh, French is, is part of the native tongue in France. And just like Cantonese and, and Mandarin are our native languages over in China. The same thing with the adversary. His native tongue is lying. So on his application, it says language, lying, because he cannot tell the truth. And in fact, it goes on to say he is a master of deception. What does deception mean? It means he will lead you into error, 
if you listen to him. In fact, it says he's not just a master of deception, glory to God, but he also says he's a father of lies. He can't tell the truth. Even if he wanted to tell the truth, he going to lie. His, they should have called him Satan, L-I-E is his last name. Satan lie because he lie, lie, lie. But guess what? Th that, that his lie never supersedes God's truth. His lie never supersedes God's truth. And one of the biggest lies he's using in the world today is this. What, and it's one of his greatest tactics. Remember the wiles of the adversary. One of his greatest tactics is this. That the adversary uses is to try to convince you and me and the whole world that he's not here or that he does not exist. And some, in fact, some people believe that he's just a figment of our imagination, just a represent, representative of evil, not understanding and not realizing he's a very real person. And in fact, it goes on to say that he doesn't want you to, he wants to convince you that he's not here and that it's not him who's behind, not behind all the chaos. Remember in John chapter three, as you were John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says this, the thief talking about the adversary, talking about the devil, he only comes to do three things. He comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. So you already found out he's a murderer. You already found out he's a liar and you're finding out he's a thief. Why? Because he steals, he kills, and he destroys. That's what his MO. He wants to steal your identity so that he can kill your purpose so he can ultimately destroy and keep you from the life that God had for you from the very beginning. Now, you ask me, why are you sharing with us all these things about what the adversary does? Because remember, in order for him to lie, that means he has to be able to speak words. He has to give you thoughts. He has to give you suggestions. So you got to understand, we talked about this last week when we was talking about faith. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. So what is that? So faith comes by hearing what is told and what is heard comes by preaching of the message that comes from the lips of Christ when you're talking about the things of God. So how does faith come in the kingdom of God? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or that word for faith is pistis, which means persuasion, assurance, reliance, belief. And so faith, persuasion, or assurance, or reliance comes by hearing. So faith, or assurance, or reliance, persuasion comes by hearing. Now, let me tell you what the adversary knows. He knows that, that lying, condemnation, and can guilt and shame come by the same things. Did y'all hear that? How does condemnation, how does guilt, how does shame come? The adversary cannot create anything new. All he can do is take what already exists and twist it. That's why it's called wicked, just like the furniture. Wicker furniture is twisted furniture. When the deception is twisted truth. So what does the what does the adversary do? He takes something that is true and he twists it to make it a lie. When he, he, he says this, God says, I don't condemn you. The adversary, I don't have any accusing uh, voices against you to condemn you. The adversary takes that same principle of how faith comes by hearing 
persuasion, assurance, and reliance comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. So what does the adversary do? He shoots a thought to your mind. And when he shoots that thought to your mind, and, and if you don't know how to resist him or resist that thought, guess what happens? He says it, he puts it on loop. And when he puts it on loop, you're hearing it and you're hearing it and you're hearing it and you're hearing it on the news and you're reading it on social media and you're hearing it from your friends and you're hearing it from your boss and you're here you're no good from your boss and you're no good from your parents and you're no good from your husband and you're no good from your wife and you're no good from your kids and you're no good from this group and you're no good from that group what happens he has sold the seed by the word he gave the suggestion he gave the thought because we talked about this last week how you got to Cast down, throw down, put down every argument, theory, and a reasoning which tries to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. God says there's no condemnation. That world says, yes, there is condemnation. And the adversary says, and God is the one who's behind it. But God says, I'm not the one who condemns. He already said it in his word. God does not condemn. Jesus does not condemn. God doesn't even use his word to condemn you. He uses his word. And we'll talk about this a little bit later. We will understand why, what God's word will do. How do you know that God is not the one who's behind all the guilt, all the condemnation, and all the shame? I'll tell you how I know, because in accordance to Romans chapter 8, verse number 2, it says this, you've been made free. See, not only did he say that there is no accusing voice of accusation against those who are in Christ Jesus, but he also goes on to say this. He says in the next verse, he says, for the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated or made us free from the law of sin and death. So you're no longer under the law of sin and death because you are in Christ Jesus. You've been made free from that. In fact, it says in Colossians chapter 1 and, and, and verse 13, how God has delivered you from the rulership and the dominion of darkness, which Satan was is over. He says he's delivered you from the dominion of darkness and he's transferred you over into the kingdom of his dear son or to into the kingdom of God. And we know that a kingdom is a king's influence on a territory or on a, uh, on a, or on a nation impacting it with his with his nature his culture and his lifestyle at one point in time you were under the kingdom of darkness you were under the the influences of the and the nature and the culture and the lifestyle of the adversary because you were separated from god but from the moment that you made jesus your lord and savior the moment that you you accepted him as as lord over your life Guess what happened? The adversary, the adversary lost all authority, all rulership, all dominion over you, and you was brought under the rulership and and the into the lifestyle, into the culture, into the into the nature of our heavenly Father. You are not who you used to be. You are a new creation in Christ, and He has made you. Free. Say that with me. The law of the spirit of life 
that is in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Say this with me. I've been set free. You're not going to be set free. You're not going to be made free. You're already free. I know somebody's asking me, I thought I can hear you right now. Then why do I feel condemned? Where's this condemnation coming from? I'm going to answer that question for you now. Where's that condemnation coming from? And according to 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, he answers that question. He says that he says, whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, we know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience. And we know everything and he knows everything there is to know about us. Where did he say the condemnation is coming from? Is it God condemning you? No. Is it Jesus condemning you? No. Is he condemning you through your word? No. Then where's the condemnation? Why, why am I feeling guilty? And why am I feeling shame? And why? what's reminding me of my failure? He says it's simple. It is your heart. Your heart is, it, it makes you feel guilty. Your heart is the one that's reminding you of your failures. God's not. The adversary is, but God's not. How do you know? First John 1, 9, First uh, John 1, verse 9 says this, if, if we confess our sins or acknowledge our sins, God is faithful and just. He will forgive us of all of our sins and he will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So if you know you've done something wrong and you go to God and say, God, I want, I want to ask you to forgive me because I know when I cussed that person out, I wasn't supposed to cuss that person out. I ask you to forgive me because I was wrong. God doesn't beat you down and, and smack you upside your head. He simply says, okay. And then what does he do? He takes, he cleanses you of all unrighteousness. Why? Because the blood of Jesus has already paid for every sin, past, present, and future. Then you ask the question, then what's the purpose of the adversary condemning me? What's the person purpose of him bringing it back up to my remembrance? Why is he holding that cloud over it, over my head? And he, and he keeps shooting those thoughts to my head. And why is he trying to make me feel guilty and feel shame and feel condemned? I'll, I'll tell you why right here. The reason why he does it is because he wants to create division and separation. Do you real? It says here in first John chapter three, verse 21, it goes on to say this. He says, my delightful loved friends. He says, when our heart doesn't condemn us, we have bold freedom to speak to God face to face. When you're not feeling condemned, when you're not feeling guilty, when you're not feeling ashamed, what do you not do? You don't run from God. You feel bold. You feel confident. You have the freedom to come to God. Do you remember when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, when they sinned against God, when they separated themselves from the kingdom of God or God's way of doing things, What and they took on the nature, lifestyle, and culture of the adversary, what was the first thing they did when God came looking for them? They ran from God instead of running to God. Why? Because guilt, 
because shame, because condemnation had, had come upon them. And now they no longer felt worthy. No longer they, they, did they have freedom. No longer did they have the boldness to walk up to their heavenly father. That's why God says in Hebrews chapter four, verse 16, he says, come, if you're a child of the most high God, he says, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may have seen mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. So if you're going through situations or circumstances right now, and you're feeling like, man, I, I'm just feel so guilty and I just feel so much shame and I just feel so condemned. God says, don't run from me. He says, I need you to run to me. He says, and I will, I've already made a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. He says, but well, you have to make a decision to come to God. See, this is the thing about God. I, I learned this about God years ago. When you mess up, do you ever notice that when Adam and Eve messed up, they didn't go to God. God went to them. Did you know that when, when Moses messed up or, or when David messed up or when Abraham messed up, they didn't go to God. God came to them. Do you know because you are born again and the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, God is always, always there with you. And he's always trying to draw you back into relationship with him. He's always trying to draw you, bring you back into fellowship with him. Why? Because he already knows that you are no, you're, there's no voice of accusation or condemnation against you because you're in Christ Jesus. And he says, Hey, come, let's get it right. Hey, come, let's, let's, let's put it back on, put it back on the right path. Come unto me, all you that labor. And I have you late. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, he says, and I will give you rest. Now I have Five quick points I'm going to share with you on what to do when you feel condemnation. Point number one is found in James chapter four, verse number seven. What do you got to do? You got to you have to resist the devil. In other words, when he start coming at you, saying that you no good, saying that you never going to make it, telling you that God don't love you, he's never going to use you, nobody else is ever going to love you, you got to you got to resist him. What does resist mean? That means you got to tell him to stop. All you got to do is all you have to do as a born again believer says, "Satan, I resist you in the name of Jesus." That's it. I resist you in the name of Jesus. In fact, James chapter four, verse seven says this in the Amplified. He said, if you, if you, if so be subject to God, submitted to God, if you resist the devil, in other words, you stand firm against him, it says he will flee from you. Why will he flee from you? Because you, he's not seeing you. He's seeing Christ, the hope of glory that's on the inside of you. So when you say, Satan, I resist you, you're operating in accordance to Luke chapter 10, verse 19, which says this. It says, now you understand that Jesus said to his disciples, now you understand I have imparted to you my authority to trample upon serpents and upon scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, shall by any means harm you. So when you when you're getting those thoughts to try to come to you to try to make, make condemn you to make you feel guilty to put you on the shame show, all you got to do is say, Satan, I resist you. I resist that thought in the name of Jesus, and he will 
flee. And I'm going to tell you, even though he flees, that joke is going to try to come back again. But what do you do? You already realize that God is not the one that's to get condemning you. God has already made you free because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. So what's the first thing you got to do? You got to resist the devil. What's the second thing you got to do? You got to keep the word of God in your heart. You've got to keep the word of God in your heart. What does it say here in Proverbs chapter four, verse 20 through 22? It says this. It says, my son or my daughter, attend to my word. He says, he says, contend, consent and su submit to my sayings. He says, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the center of your heart. Where is the condemnation going to come from? from your heart, because your heart is the one that's, that's going to condemn you. Your heart is going to be the thing that's going to try to remind you of your failure. But when you keep the word of God in your heart, how do you keep the word of God in your heart? You got to keep it before your eyes. Means when you read your Bible, you got to open the Bible and you got to keep it before your eyes. Guess what else you got to do? You got to let that word come out of your mouth. That means you read out loud. You read out loud. So when you begin to read out loud, that word goes forth and it's going to come out of your mouth. It's going into your eyes, out of your mouth, going into your ears, and it goes, gets down on the center of your heart. So when you start hearing words of condemnation, that word is going to rise up and say, no, 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 that's not who you are according to the word of God. Because it says this in verse 22, it says, but the words, talking about the word of God that you get on the inside of your heart, they are life to those who find them. They are healing and health to all your flesh. So every time you're reading the word of God, you're here and you're reading it out of your mouth because because you got it before your eyes is going into your ears. It says this is going to bring forth healing It's going to bring health, not only to your to your heart, not only to your soul, which is your mind, will and emotion, but it also it will bring health and healing to your flesh. What's the third thing you need to do? Third thing you need to do. You got to guard your heart. Remember the, the condemnation, the guilt. The shame and the condemnation will be coming from your heart. The adversary is going to try to shoot those thoughts to you to try to get you to meditate on it, to get it in your heart. And you start singing and you start singing those songs and, and, and meditate on it. But God says, guard your heart. He says in, in Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, he says, keep and guard your heart with all diligence and above all that you guard for out of it. Talking about your heart flows or springs issues of life. So the issues of life that you have are a result of the things that are in your heart. When you guard your heart by keeping the word before your eyes, letting the word go into your ears, letting the word come out of your mouth and let that word get down into your heart. You're guarding your heart. You're guarding what you're watching. You're guarding what you're hearing. You're guarding against what you're saying because your words have creative power. What's the fourth thing that you need to do? You need to allow the word of God to be final. The word, of, you need to allow the word of God to be final or have the final say. It says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says this, all scripture is inspired by God. It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us. 
when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The word does not condemn you. It does correct you. In other words, it convicts you. Now, when you might you might be reading, you might hear something that's trying to correct you or try to show you what point out to you what is wrong and and what way you should go that is right but it does not condemn you it does not put you on the shame show it does not make you feel guilty like nobody loves you do you know it says whom in proverbs chapter three it says whom the father loves he corrects when god is correcting you it's not because he hates you god's correcting you because he loves you and the last one is number five what do you need to do to overcome this condemnation? Apply the word to your life. Apply the word to your everyday life. Now in John chapter eight, verse 31, it says this. I'm reading out of Amplified. So Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, that's you, who believes in Jesus. If you abide in my word, hold fast to it. It's my teachings and live in accordance to them. He says, you are truly my disciples, my disciplined one, my followers. He says, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. When you read God's word, when you begin to apply it to your everyday life, when you allow the word to be final authority, by, and you guard your heart, guard what you're hearing, guard what you're seeing, guarding what you're saying. When you begin to get, keep the word of God before your eyes, letting it come out of your mouth, going down into your ears, it will bring health and healing to all your flesh To your and it will, it will restore your soul. It will heal you. It will deliver you. It will set you free. And then when you resist the devil... When you say, Satan, I resist you, I resist that thought, I resist that condemnation, he will flee. See, God's not trying to bring you out. He's already brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But he told me to remind you, to tell you, it's time for you to come out. He says, I've told you all this so you could, will come out of darkness, come out of your guilt, Come out of your condemnation by saying, Satan, I resist those thoughts of the old man. Say that with me. Satan, I resist you right now in the name of Jesus. You must flee. Heavenly Father, I don't receive those thoughts of the old man but I receive the thoughts and feelings of the new man in Christ Jesus I'm stepping out of the old and I'm walking in the new in Jesus name Amen
That if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you never come into a right relationship with God, you never made him the head of your life, man, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Man, it's so simple. It's the simplest thing you could ever do. And according to Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, which says this, it says the word of God is there. You're saying your heart is in your mouth. It is the word of assurance, persuasion, and reliance that we that we preach the word of faith, which we preach that if you will confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That word saved again means healed, protected, delivered, made well, made whole. And he says this, he says, for with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Now pray this prayer with me, confess it, say that from your heart, say it out of your mouth, mean it from your heart, Say it with me, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart save me now. I repent of sin. I receive your offer of forgiveness. Right now, I'm in right relationship. Right now, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. And right now, I'm in right position. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you pray that prayer for the very first time, I want to welcome you into the kingdom of God, welcome you back in the right position, welcome you back into right relationships. So what do you do now, man? You got to get into word-based church that teaches you about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Man, we know that Ignite Depot is such a place. Man, join us here each week at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, each week, 6, 6 p.m., uh, Eastern Standard Time on Saturday. We'd love to have you continue to join us as we continue to learn about the love of God, the word of God, the kingdom of God, and teach you about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Man, when I was talking to God about this, uh, and he gave me this thought about the background, I said, wow, what? He says, those thoughts, those those uh, colors represent thoughts and patterns that are in people's minds and what the adversary uses to bring accusations against them. He says, but not after today. He says, because today you've been made whole, you've been made clean, you've been made free and you, you've coming out. And he says, and I'll take the blood of Jesus and I'll wash it over you right now in Jesus name. Now, if you missed this broadcast, uh, you, I would suggest you go back and, and watch it again. Now, also, we have a podcast. It's Ignite to Life. Again, Ignite the number two life podcast where you can hear this podcast and this, this episode and many other services that we've already ministered in the past. Now, on behalf of Pastor Julian and entire Ignite Nation, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. And I want to remind you, God has already brought you out of darkness and to his marvelous light. 